0: Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, I'm in Baltimore. Padres here for a two-game series against the Orioles. Uh, and Jay Posner, he's back in San Diego, where I will thankfully be headed back uh, here in a couple days. But Jay, what, what do we call this edition? The back under 500 edition, the bullpen edition, the gift-wrapped Orioles edition. Where, where do we start for this one?
1: Well, Manny Machado is back in Baltimore. We could start there real quick, uh, okay. but whatever. He's there. You wrote about it. People should read it. <laughs> You know, Manny, Manny. That was very much a Manny being Manny conversation. It sounds like you had with him, where, you know, he's not going to really open up or anything. And but I, I, thought it was good. He, you know, he talked about the yeah what it meant what it meant playing there, and he hopes that he doesn't get booed and be nice to get a nice reception. I, I would be really, really surprised yeah if he didn't get a nice reception. I mean, he's not going to get a Pujols, St. Louis reception, but I would be surprised if he didn't get a nice ovation you know when he when he comes up in the first inning tonight.
0: Uh yeah, I look forward to it as a as a moment. I do. I right. mean from the Padres fan perspective, okay, here's a guy that, you know, has sort of, you know, he's obviously been one of the biggest uh would be the- Uh, inarguably the biggest, if not for for Fernando Tatis, but like the biggest sign of of change, uh, the the spending of the $300 million. That's great. Uh, Enjoy it for him because I think it it will be a really cool moment. The guy, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, came up. He was younger than Tatis when he came up. He had 162 homers here. He played in 850-something games. Uh, He was a big part of of, uh, the Orioles being a decent team during his tenure. Uh, I, I do look forward to it, but I think there's bigger things going on with the team.
1: Well, obviously and and you mentioned that the Orioles being a decent team, they are they are anything but decent right now. Wow. So this is very much gift wrap for the Padres. The Orioles are 22 and 56. You know they started 4 and 1, which is which is pretty funny. So 18 and 55 since then to do the math. The one thing I came up with that I thought was interesting is they won four in a row games 2 through 5, they won four in a row since then and we're talking like this is almost 3 months since then, almost 75 games. They've won two in a row twice. That's it. They've never won more than two in a row. They won two in a row twice in late April and early May. So since May 4 and May 6, they have not won two games in a row. They just had a 10 game losing streak that ended on Saturday. They obviously went went out and celebrated like crazy Saturday night because they lost 13 to 3 on Sunday, uh, took a day off on Monday and now they will welcome the Padres. But I, again, and Kevin, we just saw this last week, Padres sweep Milwaukee, great, everything's going well. Now they go play Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's terrible, and they get swept by Pittsburgh. And the good news for Padre fans and the Padres, I guess, is no more games against the Pirates this year. The Padres incredibly lost six out of seven against Pittsburgh. The big takeaway from that series, I guess there were two for me, One, the hitting was terrible for two games. Uh, Machado was the only one who did anything, really, on Friday and Saturday. Then they have this great game on Sunday with the bats. uh, Got a couple breaks, you know, a couple of those Machado and Hedges, I think, both had two RBI singles that, you know, looked like line drives in the box score but were anything but. And then, you know, the bullpen comes up and bites him again. And of all people, Kirby Yates, you know. But, again, you knew he wasn't going to be perfect all year and it came up on Sunday, and they still had a chance to win and couldn't get three outs.
0: Yeah. Before we get to that, I want to say that not only, like, are the Orioles terrible, but, Jay, like, when we talk about gift-wrapped, their their bullpen, which tonight's a bullpen game for the Orioles. Correct. Worst ERA, and against right-handed batters like Like, historically, epically terrible, their bullpen, and their entire staff. Uh, And, hey, wow, what do you know? The Padres, uh, except for Eric Hosmer, exclusively right-handed probably the next two days. Um, You know, so, I mean, not just like, oh, this is a bad team, but like made for the Padres. So, probably have to write about a sweep. I'm I'm joking, (laughs) but that is how it works. The bullpen, Jay, four or uh, five of the Padres' last ten losses. The bullpen has taken the loss, and not just taken the loss, but in spectacular fashion. Three of those, Craig Stammett. Right there was the four home run game. There was a couple times where he, the guy had to come in and pick up Trey Wingenter, and then in the next inning he gave up runs. Another one he gave up was his own.
1: I think he had four. I think he had four straight scoreless outings before the, the before the well, Saturday the game. Thing. And that's the. Th- and I was just going to say that's the thing about this is that you, these guys get on a roll. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, how could you go with Stammen there in that situation on Saturday? Well, he had just had four really good outings in a row. So are you are you going to go off of that? Or are you going to go off before and just wait for the bad outing? I mean, th- these guys all have good outings at times. I mean, Phil Maton was very good for a, an inning on Sunday, and then he wasn't. And, and Maton's had had good outings. He's had good multi-inning outings. He's had four multi-inning outings this year where he gave up either zero or one run, which is all they needed from him on, uh, you know, on, on Sunday. So it's, it's not like that all of these guys have been terrible every time they go out to the mound. It just seems like someone is terrible. At least one, someone is terrible at just the wrong time.
0: There you go. I mean, that's what you said. And then I'll also look and I'll go even in, like in these games where they end up giving up runs, you know, they had to come in to start the, the fifth or the sixth and uh, two relievers will be just fantastic. And then the guy will come in and give up two runs. What they've been doing in that bullpen is walking and no one has an explanation for it because they may still as a bullpen have given up the fewest walks per inning. Uh, so. You know, uh, but they are coming back to bite them, and I'm not just talking about a walk-off walk like in Sunday's game. Right. Uh, a, a zero, you know, a lead-off walk or a zero-out walk. Uh, you know, in Stammen's case, one time a two-out walk that led to two runs. It's fallen apart. They thought that the bullpen flu had touched everyone. Oh wait, it hadn't really touched Kirby. So <laughs> right. now maybe it has. You have to think about Craig Stammen being 35 years old, and that's just something that I mean. Craig Stammen thinks about that. But I mean, I mean, how many podcasts can we do where we? Explain the uh, bullpen, and we talk about how look, this team isn't going to find help outside like some sort of magic thing. You know what? They may make a trade that gets them a bullpen arm, and that guy may be serviceable. But they're talk. they're looking more like Robert Stock finding the strike zone, Jose Castillo saying a prayer for the ligament, um, you know, Andres <laughs> Munoz, uh, this other kid who, of course, you know, I got I to bungle one name or forget one name, but uh, another kid down in AAA. Trevor, uh, Trevor uh, McGill. Trevor McGill, there it is. Won a podcast for me. Uh, <laughs> I haven't got the day wrong today. Uh, which until you do a baseball season, you don't know how difficult it is to remember. It's Tuesday, uh, a Monday off day. What is that? So, but yeah, no, I, mean, I don't that, know. Yeah,
1: that's the the problem is saying. like where do you where do you fix it? Okay, Stammen's not your eighth inning guy. Who is your eighth inning guy? Okay, there you go. okay. You, let's let's say it's Wingenter. Wingenter hasn't been consistently brilliant all year either. So the first time he gives up, you know, something in the eighth inning, it's like, oh, great. What was he doing in the eighth inning? There, there are no, I, to me, there are no solutions right now, except they need to pitch better. I mean, which sounds so stupid, but they were, they were counting on a bunch of guys, you know, being really good this year. And they have a bunch of guys who have been really good at times. But not often enough, and I mean, who would have thought? And and I did, you know, they did do this the other night. Maybe Luis Perdomo is the eighth inning guy for now. Yep. I mean, he was yep. he was on Sunday. Now Stammen was unavailable, but you know, you and I were texting during the game and and before after the seventh, you know, I was like, who gets the eighth? Perdomo, and and you know, that was it. So, uh, to me, maybe maybe why why not give Perdomo the eighth now and see what uh, see what he can do with it, and and maybe in certain situations. If the seventh is going to be tougher, give Perdomo the seventh. I mean, I, I'm not sure that you – I'm not a big fan of it well, has absolutely. to be the seventh or the eighth. I mean, I, I do think, look, they're locked into Yates in the ninth. He's a, he's a one-inning guy. He hasn't done anything but one inning all year. I, I don't see that they're suddenly going to change that or that they should change that. But, you know, maybe move, maybe move Perdomo into more high-leverage situations, which is what we saw on Sunday – and I, I would expect that going forward there's no reason at this point the way perdomo's pitching not to see him in those situations and, and see what he can do with it
0: i would think at this point that's i mean like a given practically uh, cal Quantrill had to come into like at least a medium leverage situation and he Absolutely. may you know he will again and then we'll we'll see what happens uh, also i believe denelson Lamette will be back i mean it's it's forthcoming so you know what Matt Strom starts tomorrow night, and that very well could be his final start. He goes back to the bullpen, gets back into that role, and, and we'll see. And, you know, in a bit, in a way, that's a, that's a shame. Uh, but I, I really think that's the direction that the Padres are, are, are headed, and he has been a loss to the bullpen. One thing to consider, if Jose Castillo comes back, the reason they were so excited about him being able to come back last week when they thought, before he pulled himself out of a game in El Paso with some tightness in the forearm, being careful, is that they had these three off days and eight games and it was gonna provide rest for him. You know, when he comes back, he's not gonna pitch them back to back games, maybe the rest of the season.
1: Right, right. Well there's no reason there's no reason for him. To do that right. right now.
0: Same with Miguel and Munoz. I mean, you, you're very structured in the minor leagues for the most part, and the young guys are going to be careful with. So, I mean, there's just going to it's going to be this like chess game, as if it isn't already for a National League manager uh, in, in particular. But it's going to be this chess game all season. I wrote about it over the weekend. It's a pitching staff now. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a few starters and then a pitching staff.
1: No, and I and I don't have any issue with that. I mean, you've got your guys that are gonna that are going to start regularly and and look look I'm looking forward to seeing Logan Allen again tonight um and I know he's not facing the greatest lineup in the world but they do have some power um I mean Trey Mancini's been really good 17 homers Renato Nunez has 16 they've got a couple other guys and and that's a, a home run ballpark as Manny Machado has hinted out a couple times this season but again to see Logan Allen a, a week after shutting out the Brewers now he, he goes against a bad team let's see what let's see what he does let's see what Strom does tomorrow. And, you know, you're going to have Paddock and Lucchese and and Lauer pretty much as as regulars. But if Quantrill's in the bullpen and and he can get you a couple innings on these games, like maybe he piggybacks with the Nelson Lamette when Lamette comes Mm -hmm. back and Lamette throws three or four innings, and there's no reason Quantrill can't throw three or four innings. I mean, I think they they had to hit for him the other day was the only reason that he probably, you know, didn't get another inning out of it because there's no reason he can't be stretched out. So yeah, it's gonna be just different and uh curious to see how things get mixed and matched with when innings limits and, and all that sort of thing so far. But they obviously need to find some people who can be more consistent, especially later in games. Because a lot of these starters, you know, like it or not, they're not gonna go more than, you know, five four, five, six innings, with the exception of you hope, someone like Luke Casey. Uh, can can do that, can keep doing that, uh, which, you know, he wasn't able to do on Sunday, but he was in his previous start.
0: Yeah, I really think, you know, and I would have made a bigger deal out of it, obviously, if he hadn't had the one real bad inning. But he followed it by battling out of another inning. And mm-hmm. I just think that's a huge growth thing for Joey Lucchese. Sometimes, you know, we're getting focused on certain things. And, and, you know, this team is still building for the future. And they want to find out, is Joey Lucchese like a number three, four, five starter when when we're really good, is what they're thinking. And and I think Joey uh, is showing that, even in his outing the other day. Because if you're number... Whatever, right? Uh, sometimes your number one has to battle to get through five. But if you're a number four starter, battles and gets you through five and keeps you—he was in line to win that game.
1: Right. All right?
0: right? That's excellent, actually.
1: What did you see from—I what did I didn't get a chance to see much of the game that Paddock pitched. I did see him get out of the bases loaded. Uh, was big situation which was big but how ha- how did he how did he look what where was his velocity where was his change up his curve what what did you see out of uh, out of that game and what did the padres see
0: much like the his uh, previous start before he went for that 10 day little rest there the velocity was up maybe not as much as in san francisco but certainly better than, than during that time where he 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 has to be reminded though during the games uh, from my understanding to Throw that pitch, you know, just let it go, Chris. You've got command, uh, and that's interesting. That's part of the the growing curve, right? That maybe some of us like thought that the, you know, the whole the sheriff, he was he was beyond that. Well, <laughs> there's there's a growth curve. The changeup still, obviously, a lot better. But here's the deal: I was super impressed with the Pirates. I mean. You know, I think Johnny Washington is actually doing a really good job as the hitting coach from all feedback and the improvements that we're seeing. Uh, But he could just show what the Pirates did the last two days and making the Padres pitchers work and putting the fouling balls off, putting balls in play and letting stuff happen. And that's – these guys' teams are not biting on that changeup anymore. And Paddock misses by a little bit, but they're balls. And then he leaves one up and they hit it. He's going to have to learn how to pitch. They're also – while while – you know, Chris Paddock will take the offseason and sort of assess his pitch mix. The Padres are, are pushing for him to throw different pitches at different times. Uh, maybe in the offseason, start developing. Maybe it won't be for another year, but start developing a slider. You, no matter how good your pitches are, you got to have more than two.
1: And he didn't walk almost anybody when he was in the minors. No. And it seems like his command, I mean, even I, I don't have his walk numbers in front of me. I know he's certainly walked more than... More than he did in the minors, but is he is he nibbling a little bit too much on with his fastball?
0: That's what I was roundabout saying. I should have just said it like you. That's why you're the editor, Jay. Uh, he's nibbling, man. Uh, that's where the fastball velocity is down. Sometimes that's where the the changeup that just misses. Then he tries to place it, and oops, it was left up, and 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 they hit it. Um you're not getting the swing and miss on that anymore, and they say it all comes back to whatever mechanical stuff that, look, I'm not going to pretend like I can get into it, the arm speed and all that, but th- that's what they say it all comes back to.
1: Can't you give me some spin rate numbers?
0: Some spin rate, getting over the ball, some, you know, arm speed. No, Jay, I will not. How
1: about arm side, How about arm side glove side? We, are we gonna- I
0: believe his whip is still below one. So okay. he's still... Let's remember here, <laughs> the kid's having a pretty good rookie year.
1: Right. I mean, I, I think that's the. It, it started so well that, like, you start, wow, geez, he's not blowing people away all the time. And uh, I wonder if it, it'd be funny to see when the when they set the rotation after the break if he winds up pitching in that Mets series after everything that happened with Pete Alonzo and, and with Alonzo now having, like, 87 home runs it will be interesting just in the because first half.
0: They refer back to that, different people in the organization, and, and it's just, I don't want to read too much into it, but they refer back to that about the, you know, the guy is best when he's pumped up. Now, you can't get to that level every time. That is a learning experience for him, but somehow he hasn't quite achieved that or, or, or any semblance of that or enough of a semblance of that since, so that will be interesting.
1: Well, certainly, you know, they can they can set the rotation however they want coming out of the break, and that, that's the second week out of the break, 23, 24, 25 of July. So something to keep an eye on then. But uh, before that, what else, uh, anything offensively that you saw over the weekend? Like I said, Friday and Saturday seemed terrible. I guess we should mention it's like Fernando Tatis Jr. We just kind of take for granted now <laughs> that he's going to do things like score scoring on a pop-up to the second baseman. Which was, you know, just remarkable. It was so remarkable, Kevin. Sports Center on Sunday night. I had on the end of the game where the Angels were trying to blow a six nothing lead in the ninth inning against the Cardinals. It got to six four. They actually had the potential winning run at the plate. They finally got out of it. Sports Center comes on, and the first thing they show was Tatis scoring from third base okay. on that on that play. So uh, it just shows how things have changed a little bit with with the Padres that. Uh, I am sure there were probably nights where the Padres didn't even make Sports center over the past few years and 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 didn't even deserve to but uh Week. Here, here right right but here was here was their superstar in the making uh uh leading that so and and it just seems like the what do the other guys think of of Tatís Well I mean are they have do they theory, just shake the, Okay yeah, Do they just kind of shake their head or uh, he seems to just bring such energy to the to the That's dugout.
0: It. It, it, energy of the dugout and and like my story we'll focus on for a Sunday's paper, but we'll probably post it Friday, is okay, so we're like 40 games into this guy's career. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Except it's the way he does it, the way he carries himself, the tools and the instincts he has that are far beyond his years that make veterans and let's be honest, there's Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, and Ian Kinsler, right? right. But Ian Kinsler, basically the old schoolist of, uh, of the remaining players, all right? They're just, there aren't many like him, okay? And he has a little bit of a wait-and-see, but no, he <laughs> believes this kid's going to be the best player in the majors, uh, or, or one of them. And that, that really speaks a lot, and hopefully I can paint that in, in the story. These guys talk about his instincts. You know, Eric Hosmer has really good instincts. He doesn't have Tatis's talent or speed. Right, Manny Machado right. didn't have his speed. You know, this guy has at least six tools, and once he's played in the um, majors a little while and he adds knowledge, he's going to be like a seven tool player. <laughs> uh, it, it, and that's like preposterous. And, and, and what you were talking about, Jay, yesterday I was sitting uh, having lunch in, in my hotel, and I was working too. But I look up, and pardon the interruption, which, you know, talk, gabfest, yada, yada. They have to talk about something, and their question was. Should, t- should someone tell Tatis to throttle it back? And I was oh ready God. to jump what? out of my... But <laughs> let's,
1: not of that, have a, let's not have a player who, who's right. having fun and energetic. That and, was
0: their point. So, so it was like the producer whoever came up with the question, and then Michael Robon, whoever was uh, filling in, I don't even watch the show anymore unless I'm in the, uh, in the hotel. Right. They, that was their whole thing about how preposterous that would be. So there's that, but the fact they were talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. on pardon the interruption, on a national show and on the East Coast. And now that everywhere we go, uh, the the, visiting, the other media, the, you know, the other team, there's a, there's a certain amount of anticipation. And, and again, um, I, and I did tweet about it and, and when it happened and, and players and coaches noticed, and, and it'll be in my story. In Colorado, this is the kind of thing you only see in St. Louis, maybe in, at Wrigley. When he made a diving play, uh, I think he robbed Trevor's story. It was like a 105-mile-an-hour liner.
1: Yeah, that was the that was the game where he, he came in when Machado got thrown yeah. out, right? And he made that ridiculous diving catch.
0: The crowd cheered at Coors Field. Yeah. That just doesn't happen. And then it was shown on the screen, and they cheered again. Like... You're watching something special. It's fun. I saw that you tweeted the other day right after that uh, where he scored uh, on the pop-up to just be on second that that's why you don't leave. And that's becoming the, basically the cliche, but, it, you know, because it's true, you, you don't leave when Tatis is in the game.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's, if he's coming up or especially it seems like when he's in the field or, and on the bases, obviously, no, you, you can't take your eyes off the, off the set or the field for, you know, for even a second because you never know. I mean, I I said, I looked away when the pop-up was hit. It was like, oh, great, a pop-up. They're not even going to get the run in. And and then all of a sudden, you know, Jesse Agler's screaming that he's scoring on the TV.
0: I can't wait. And so there's that play, which Kevin Newman, the Poway Kid, who ends up being the walk-off hero, right? right Had right. himself a pretty good series. But he talked about how he'd learn, and Clint Hurdle talked about how he'd learn, and that, that's all well and good. But will you? I mean, what, what can you do to a certain extent? But they will. They won't be sleeping on this guy. But on certain plays like, I forget who hit the, the comebacker that he scored on in Colorado, which is still my favorite play, because the pitcher looked him back. Mm-hmm. Then Daniel Murphy's at the, the first baseman, and, and uh, it was a contact play, but uh, you don't go when it's hit to the pitcher, and Tatis froze and then scored on it. It's like, how do defenses adjust and change how they're playing him? Because they're nervous about Tatis, so how does that help other players? I mean, oh, does the pitcher in the future, does he freeze, and then and, and the runner makes it to first? I mean, mm-hmm. that sounds preposterous, but like he is freaking out other defenses, and that's a big deal.
1: Right, right. No, it's uh, it's great, and it's, it's obviously a story that... I'm looking forward to it. I think a lot of people will as well. So, But we have a couple games to get through before that, and you have a long flight home after that, and then we will talk again on Friday when uh-huh. the, Car- the Cardinals are in town, the greatest fans in all of baseball. <laughs> and by the way, very good on Colorado for showing a great play by the opposing team on the video board, because I can think of some stadiums Maybe a mile or so from where I'm sitting right now where that isn't a big part of how things go. You know, sometimes sometimes it's good just to show great baseball plays on the big video board.
0: So, agreed and, okay. and there's a lot of places that don't do it and I thought of you the other day as we close here uh, all the confusion you know there were five replays in that game on Sunday in addition you know to all the other things that happened in four hours and 58 minutes I know, I know. and 11 innings and not one of them was explained In you know including a couple like the one in the uh, it was the 11th where they stopped for like four minutes or so because Clint Hurdle was challenging whether the uh, throw that got past Austin Hedges went into the uh, crowd and his runner should be on second and they never Never explained it. I mean, I think there's momentum being gained to start to get that explained, which has been a pet peeve of yours for a long time, to get that explained like NFL officials.
1: Right, right. I mean, that's that's different than, than the other point I was making, but absolutely. The, yeah. the fact that an umpire, and, and again, the announcers, I don't remember if it was Agler or, or Mud Grant said it on the broadcast, that what would be so bad about having the umpire flick on its microphone and say, you know, either we're going to look at this or when it's done, we looked at this, and you know the the play stands as called or whatever, just to explain to people. So what,
0: many ways what Jay. happened,
1: and I and I think on that play, I think the ball did probably strike a camera in the in the camera well and come back on the field. But I don't think there was a good, there was never a definitive angle, at least on TV, that could show it. So they had to keep it the same. But I think Machado might have been spared a fourth error in that series by the fact that nobody uh, that nobody saw that.
0: Well, not to go – I'll stop. I'm going to say one thing, and you're not allowed to rebut because we're just going to go into a rabbit hole here. <laughs> but there were a couple times where the Padres got, I felt at least, were, were let's say, robbed or, or whatever because of the rule of there has to be definitive evidence. And I thought there were a couple times there that had the call on the field been differently. It would have gone in the Padres' favor, but it didn't because there there wasn't. So anyway, I replay. I
1: agree. I agree. So I'm not rebutting it. So anyway, uh, in, enjoy uh, enjoy Camden Yards, which is which is a great place, although it's been so long since I was there. I'm, I, I was thinking about it. It's been like almost 25 years since I was there. It's now one of the older ballparks in baseball.
0: Oh, Larry and, Lucchino and, and company started basically, right? Yeah, they, they, they started, started like the, the, the state.
1: Yeah, the ballpark revolution started right there. So yeah. Uh, Enjoy that, and uh, we will talk on Friday ahead of the Cardinals, and I believe the Giants are here for the part of that home, the six-game homestand. So thanks for listening, everyone.